Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Hey guys, Rosie here. I just want to say I am so grateful that you're listening. We are just getting a massive amount of response on this podcast, and I am so grateful that you're a part of this radically loved community, that you're enjoying the content and that you're enjoying all the guests and that you're still here and you're still working on yourself and your journey and your path. And I pray that you've received some tools listening to the guests or listening to any of my ideas or topics on meditation or yoga and how these tools can help you create a life of purpose to continue to help us give you the best content you can subscribe to this podcast and most of the time you can just do it from your phone from itunes click subscribe and write a review this really helps us continue this path and this journey and we love doing it so much and again i'm so grateful that you're here let us know what you thought thanks for listening Scott Stabil is an author, inspirational speaker, and big love warrior of inspiration. He is somebody that I've been wanting to get on the show for a long time, and I'm extremely grateful to have somebody like him as a shining example of what we need to be doing on this planet right now. His parents were killed when he was just 14 years old, and he writes all about his journey in his latest memoir, Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart. I pray that we can all learn from his example and his passion. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I hope that you gain some knowledge and maybe a little bit of inspiration from the wisdom that he shares with us in this episode and just in his book. I pray that you share this with somebody who you think We'll benefit from it and if you enjoyed this episode please let us know we'd love to hear from you here is scott stabile i am so beyond excited and really just honored to have you on the show because i the minute that i picked up your book and i started reading it i was like i have to meet scott like this is your story so incredible and I can relate to so much of it. Um, and I just, I could really feel, uh, the love right in, in, in your words and, and what you're doing and what you're trying to bring out in, in us and in everyone. So, um, thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you for those beautiful words. Well, I am Scott Stabile. <laughs> Hello, audience. And I, my new book is called Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart. And I, 
some of my story, some of the background that I, I talk about in the book um, that I suspect you're alluding to is that when I was 14 years old, my parents were murdered in downtown Detroit, in their, um, not in downtown Detroit, in an area of Detroit where they had a market, uh, kind of a fruit market convenience store. Um, and so that obviously was very tragic and set me on a very different course in my life. Um, years, nine years after that, I lost, I'm the youngest of seven children. And nine years after my parents' death, my brother, who had been addicted to heroin as long as I've been alive, um, he, he OD'd on heroin and died. Um, so those are some of the heavier, heavier family event, events in my upbringing that I, I write about. Um, the book, I mean, the book focuses on, on those events, um, you know, some heavy personal biographical stuff, but also on really just everyday things. And the, the purpose of the book was to kind of, there are, it's a collection of personal essays about moments in my life that have pulled me from center and the tools that I've used to find my way back. And what I was realizing when I would, con when I considered anything, it was always love, you know, it was always love that walked me home. Um, when I consider all of the important moments in my life and what I have to offer life, whether it's my kindness or my compassion or my forgiveness, all of these things are rooted in love. And so a couple things I wanted to do with the book was one, to remind people that they're not alone in their struggles, that even if you can't relate to my specific circumstance of grief and the way I lost my parents, you certainly know your own grief and you certainly know your own experience with loss. Um, you know, you may not be able to relate to the reasons why I'm caught up in blame, but you know what it's like to blame others. You know what it's like to be angry. We all know these things. And by sharing my story and sharing really not just, I, I really tried to share the inner goings on of my mind too, the ways in which I'm an asshole and a jerk, as well as the ways in which I'm incredibly loving and compassionate, um, just as a way to show people like we're all pretty much the same. You know, we're all out here trying to make sense of this unpredictable, often violent, crazy, dark reality. And that if we can remember that about each other and connect with one another from that understanding and connect to each other, to each other's humanity, you know, we stand to create a much more loving and compassionate world. Um, and that was one of the goals with the book. And another goal was simply to encourage people to choose love, to to encourage people to consider asking the question over and over and over throughout the day, how does love invite me to respond to this moment? You know, what does love encourage me to say right now? Because what I found in my life, uh, in, in every aspect, from, from tragedies to everything, it's that the more connected we remain to the energy of love and the more we have to offer from that place, the more powerfully we transform our lives for the better and thereby also contribute to the world more positively, if yeah. that makes sense. Oh, it totally, of course it makes sense. And to me, part of, I think, what's so inspiring about your story is the fact that you were able to magnify that and really utilize that to help bring you back to center, as you say. Like, And I think that that's an important 
practice to be able to to do and and now my question is how are you able to to get there in your journey to to get to a place of compassion and to get to a place where you can speak from a place of wisdom as opposed to being reactive well i'm not always there first and foremost <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing I'd say, you know, is it's like, I knew you were going to ask some version of that question next. And, and the truth is, sometimes I'm just an asshole. And sometimes I'm impatient. And you should, you should really be talking to my partner, because he gets the brunt. You know, he always no. jokes with me. He's like, I'm going to take over your Facebook page one day and tell them what you're really like at home. And we laugh about yeah. it. I mean, I'm not a total asshole partner. I'm a loving partner. But I'm also, you know, the ones we love the most get to see the worst of what we have to offer. This is, this is true. Yeah. So I would say one thing that, that has helped me is recognizing that I, one, I'm totally committed to being the most loving person I can possibly be. And within that commitment, I also know that I'm just a human being who gets provoked and irritated and aggravated. And I don't always respond from a place of love and compassion and, and to, and I'm okay with that because I really, what I try to do is to bring awareness to those moments as much as possible and to own those moments as much as possible yeah. rather than, you know, we can always blame other people for how we're reacting to them, but that doesn't ultimately do anything for our own growth and healing. And I try um, to take ownership of my response, even when it's outside the energy of love. And then to steer myself back to that loving space as quickly as possible. And when I'm able to, if I'm able to, you know, to own it and apologize. And, you know, the, the, the thing about love I've found, Rosie, is it's, it's hard work. It is really, you know, we so naturally go to the negative. Our minds don't need any practice in being negative and being self-abusive and being judgmental with others. It's like, that's where we go so naturally. All those ego things happen instantly. The hard work is in love. And that's why I really don't think love get, gets, I mean, love gets the credit it deserves on, on the one hand, but on the other hand, I think that people are out there viewing love and kindness as this weak choice and it's airy fairy and it's mm -hmm. not rooted in, it's not powerful and it's yeah. not grounded. And when people say that, I'm kind of like, okay, so when someone's in your face screaming at you, pissing you off, are you able to choose love in that moment? It, no, because it's not the easy choice. It never is. Yeah. It's always the harder choice. But here we are living in this crazy world that is desperate for more mm. compassion and more empathy and more love. And the hours are passing every day and we're living and breathing anyway. So why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we focus on being more loving? You know, why wouldn't we focus on bringing more awareness to the times when we're being an asshole, when we're stoking the fire of hate and negativity with our own poison? Why not? Why not focus on that without beating ourselves up? You know, at the same time, recognizing, OK, we all have darkness. We all have pain. We all we all have. I see human beings as like profoundly disgusting and profoundly beautiful and we all run the gamut, yeah. you know, from, from those extremes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that you're saying that. And especially 
I feel like I say this every single interview I do, but it's like I always try to stress how important it is in this moment, right now, in the culture we live in and the society we live in, to really embrace that and to really understand why that is what it's going to take in order to change things in, in our world. Um, I'm, I want to talk to you about this particular topic, but also um, I've heard you talk about how important sympathy and empathy is. Um, uh-huh. yeah. and, and I really, I want, I want to talk to you about that and I want you to maybe give us, um, some insight and tell us what the difference is between both and maybe tell us which one will benefit us the most. Well, I'm a big fan of empathy. <laughs> I think there, I'll, I'll talk to you about the, the story in, in big love that I share was this moment that I was flying on a plane uh-huh. and this was such a beautiful it's like my favorite. My Sorry. I'm like, this was like <laughs> my favorite. Okay, continue. No, it was so beautiful. I was sitting on a plane and the woman across the aisle, it was a woman probably in her late 50s, early 60s, and she was so sad and she had either just finished crying or was just about to start crying or maybe both. And she was dabbing her nose with the tissue and her energy was just all sadness. And I'm sitting there, you know, when you want to just hug someone and you want to do something, but knew it wasn't really the appropriate thing for me to do in that moment. But the flight attendant, who was this radiant black woman with blonde, platinum blonde, curly hair and bright red lips and beauty, like this big smile. And she saw this woman and just beelined to her. And she was probably 15 years her junior, the flight attendant. Mm -hmm. And she just said to her, you know, honey, what's wrong? And the woman said, um, I, my, I, my father died last week and the flight attendant with just no hesitation, she grabbed the woman's hand and she held it in hers and she bent down and she said, I've been there, honey, I've been there. And, and then the woman, she cradled her in her arms for however many seconds I'd, or, you know, maybe it was a minute at the most, I don't know. And I was watching the whole thing and the woman cried in the flight attendant's arms and it was just this, this totally connected empathetic moment between two complete strangers who had a shared experience of pain. You know, the flight attendant for me was clearly saying to the woman, I lost my dad too. And I, I know this pain Mm -hmm. and the woman who was experiencing her pain, she felt seen. It didn't take away her pain, but I really felt like she felt seen and she felt held in that moment. And I have no doubt that that helped her through the flight. And that for me is empathy. So sympathy for me is if something happens to you, Rosie, and I say, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we draw on our kindness with sympathy, but there's an element of pity and there's an element, there tends to be an element of separation and sympathy. It's like, Rosie, I'm so sorry that happened to you. You know, so I'm not, I'm not really connecting to the experience. Mm -hmm. I'm just feeling sorry for you that you're going through it. Empathy calls on us to do something different. Empathy calls on us to, one, connect to our own experience of that person's pain, like the flight attendant. She connected to her emotional response to her losing her father, and not in a way that took away from the woman's experience. She didn't try to hijack the woman's experience and make it about her, which some people can do. You know, People like to make things about them, but it was a way of saying like, I get it. 
it was, you know, empathy calls on us just to rest in our pain in order to connect to another person experiencing theirs. Or if we can't imagine what it's like, to try to imagine what it's like, you know, what that, that experience is like, and to connect to a person from that place. Empathy is a much deeper response, I think, and, um, and much more powerful. And, and I know from my Facebook page, which is um, it, because the times that I've shared my insecurities and my pain and my struggles, it's always the, they're always the posts that get the biggest response and the most comments. And so many of those comments are always like, you're not alone. I've been there too. I feel you. And there's so much power in that because we're all struggling. You know, we're all hurting at times. We're all in pain in our own ways. And it really does help because so often when we're in our darkness and when we're feeling that pain, that can be the moments when we feel most alone in our lives and in our path and in our journey. Mm -hmm. And just to know, to hear the voices of others who are like, you're not alone. I've been there. I get it. It, it does make a difference. Yeah. It doesn't wash away the pain, but it, it's, it does provide comfort and healing in a way that someone looking at you and just saying, oh, I feel so sorry for you doesn't. And that has power too. Look, I, I certainly say to people sometimes, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. It's not that sympathy is bad. It's just not, it doesn't offer the depth of connection. Yeah. Well, I mean, my big thing has always, has always, uh, my not big thing, not that I have a beef with sympathy, not Uh saying that, but to me, I always found it to be kind of a, a useless thing because I always see it as like sympathy versus compassion. It's like sympathy is like, yeah, I feel for you. Like I'm, I'm really sorry that that happened. But having compassion is like I, I desire your pain to stop. Like I can have that connection and I can have the desire to, to want your pain or your suffering to, to come to an end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, anything supported by compassion makes a profound difference. And in terms of the the world we're living in now where everyone's warring with each other and all the crazy division and people are are posting the most hateful things on social media and and just communicating in such a disgusting way, I think one one of the reasons that is happening is because we're not – accessing our empathy you know before i respond to that negative post out there can i take a moment to rest in my compassion and empathy and imagine for a moment what it's like for that other person and what kind of struggles they may be going through in their lives because when we bring when we bring empathy and compassion to a situation it's really hard to hate a person you know it's really hard to show up and just with rage and violence in your mind when you a- actually take the time to consider their life experience and how it may it, you know how it's affected where they are right now mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you have to condone the actions of people who are doing crazy insane unjust bigoted things in the world at all i don't think i think love is very vocal in the face of injustice but even when we're speaking up for what we believe in, we can we can bring love to the to that equation as well. Yeah, what do you think is is missing? Like, I'll, I'll reframe the question. In the world that we're living in now, my feeling is that we're lacking that empathy, and we're lacking the humanness. In, in each other. Yeah. 
um, I go to this place of like, well, it's because of social media, it's because of technology, it's because we no longer know how to interact with another human. There's no longer that tangible relation or that that physical experience of being around people of different backgrounds or different ideals and we live our lives through a screen through clicking and through in a sense connection but at the same time disconnection Mm -hmm. um do you think that has anything to do with it or how do you feel about that i mean i I certainly think it, it likely has something to do with the way that we're we're connecting in general or the lack of connection we're seeing out there in the world because we all have our faces and phones but i do believe that that people show up in their social media feeds the way they are like in 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 essence if you're an asshole on social media you're an asshole like there's if you're choosing to be hateful in what you post that's in you you know, yeah. just because you might be anonymous in it or just because you feel safer doesn't mean you're not still bringing that hateful energy to the table. And I think that, that you know, people, I think we're all inclined as one way of avoiding looking at who we really are in our own ugliness. It's so much easier to, to point out and judge the ugliness in others. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing. It's like, like this whole build the wall nonsense and all this craziness against immigrants. It's like, does anyone really believe that by building a wall, suddenly everything's going to be okay in our country? And that by, if we were to remove every undocumented immigrant right now, is that really going to help the job market? You know, we always want to push off taking responsibility for where we are in the world. And it's way easier to blame others. That's really one of the things I see. It's like, let's just keep pointing fingers. Let's just keep yelling at other people because we don't want to own the fact that the choices we're making in our own lives are responsible for the reasons why we're not finding more meaning and more happiness. Yeah. You know, and I believe that's a lot of it, but I do believe empathy is not something it's, it's anyone. We all have it. We all intuitively know how to be empathetic and we can learn it. It is a, it's a skill. You know, the more you practice at putting yourself in another person's shoes, the easier it becomes to do it. Like anything, like any practice, you know, you're a, you're a yogi. You know, you don't know how to do everything right away. You keep practicing at it until it becomes more natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though I'm a yogi, I can still be an asshole. So yeah. there's that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of yogi friends and they can all be assholes. I know, <laughs> but I'll be the first one to, to admit it. You know, like that's, I think that's also important, you know, is, yeah. is to just be, be honest. Um, Own it. With your with the journey that you've been on, very tumultuous road. You've dealt with a lot of loss and um, chaos. To me, it's it's so encouraging and inspiring to have you out in the world um, talking about love and and the fact that you can still go there and the fact that you can actually still embody that and continue to move forward. I think it's, it's, it's very important. I love that you still talk about how you have your struggles. It's not like you live in that frequency all the time, right? 
or maybe the, 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 the attempt or the intention behind it is to be there all the time. What has the process really been like for you to, you know, deal with the loss of your parents, deal with the loss of your brother, um, go on a spiritual journey, which we haven't touched on. We haven't talked about that, um, which, which I would like to, um, but I think that that's all kind of encompassing this idea of you wanting, you're, you're a seeker, you know, we're all seekers. So you're like, yeah. you're, you're seeking. So I, I wonder if you can speak about that a little bit. Sure. I mean, I would say in terms of my parents, I mean, I was young, I was only 14. I certainly wasn't consciously seeking anything at the time. I was just a teenager, you know, going to school, trying to, you know, be cool and have friends. Um, but so I, I, I don't think the process around losing them for many years wasn't really conscious. What I did, and again, not even in a conscious way, was really just lock away the experience and the pain and move forward with my life and was a good student and a popular kid and went to a good college. And about once a year, I would have a, you know, a, a meltdown cry, you know, for a few hours and then get right back to locking it all away. And it, it truly was about yearly, almost like clockwork. And usually, because I'd had too many drinks and there was a conversation that might have provoked it earlier and my inhibitions were down. And I would just, you know, the I'd let it go, the valves would release. And it wasn't until my early 20s, after school, moving to San Francisco, started working at a new age gift store in the Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco. And we had a great book section with all these spiritual self-help books. And this was my introduction to this world. I didn't at the time know this world existed at all. I didn't, I had never heard of enlightenment. I didn't know. I really, really, it was all, I mean, in, but I connected to it immediately. Right. It, you know, as soon as I, I was meeting people at the store who were their goal was to be more loving. And I'm like, that's your life mission. Like I'd never heard of that as a life mission, but I get it. This feels good. Like yeah. that whole peace and love vibe. I, I totally, totally got. So I was reading all these books and, and what I started to realize was that, that burying the pain of my parents and not really, not really facing it the way that I could. I mean, we deal with grief. However, we deal with grief. I certainly yeah. don't think there are rules to how we need to grieve. I think you know, and I, I that there's seven state whatever. I don't really buy any of that. I've never, I, I like, never have either. Yeah, so you know what I mean. Yes. So can't put rules on something like right. that. But what I did start to, what I did become aware of was one that by putting walls up around sharing the experience of my parents with anyone. I kept it very secret and I never wanted to talk about it and, mm. and really even think about it. Um, by, by building those walls, I was also building walls to my potential experience for, for greater joy and connection with people. You know, I think that people like to believe we can just shut ourselves off to the darkness, but by doing so, you're also shutting yourself off to the light. We can't really be selective in the walls that we build because it's all energy. And if you're saying to, to life, to the universe, that you're closed, then you're closed. And by the same token, if you're saying you're open, you're open, which is why I think people who embark on a spiritual path I know for me, my experience was, was twofold. One, in the beginning when I was reading these books and opening up spiritually, and, and it was like everything was 
heightened all the colors and my love for people and the trees were speaking to me. You know what I mean? Not really, but it was like I, I my heart felt so open yeah. to the experience of yeah. people in this world that it was mm-hmm. it was unlike anything I'd ever felt. And this was like beautiful and wonderful. And then what happened was I also started to open to how ugly I was inside. Mm -hmm. And that's the stuff that I think seekers often don't like to really see. Mm -hmm. I started to to recognize like, oh my God, all those ways I was blaming that person for that. Like, this is really my ugliness festering and manifesting. And I'm way more envious than I ever realized and way more judgmental and way more this and way more that. And I think that's when what even in the spiritual world today, I think that there's unfortunately in some people, they don't really want to face that stuff because they don't see that as spiritual. Spirituality for some means to always be loving and peaceful and blissed out. And and so there's this, you know, they call, I've only learned that there's a term out there called spiritual bypassing. Spiritual bypassing. I, learned bypassing. That like, mm-hmm. I learned that term two weeks ago and it's so perfect because it's happening constantly. Constantly. In and this I, world, I, oh I, man. And I've watched myself do it for years also. And I see sometimes that I can still do it, you know, yeah. but I'm way more conscious about being real with, with my ugliness because that's where the growth happens. Yeah, That's where the healing happens when we're actually able to look at the darkness and look at the pain and still love ourselves through it and still recognize like, this is human. This is okay. This does not define the whole of who I am. You know, this is my fear. This is my ego. This is whatever it is. But this is not the full story. But it's real. It is part of what's going on. So with, and to get back to my parents, you know, when I started to, when I started the store, I also, I started to make myself available to grieving for the first time. And all that really meant was like, open myself up to crying about them. I started to talk more about the experience of my parents and just to allow, allow the grief to happen instead of feeling like I had to lock it away. And that's, that's really, and, and at that same time, I also recognized that love is where my greatest commitment is. You know, I went to a story I've, I've told often, I don't think I told it in, this, in Big Love though, was at the time I went to lunch with a, a dear friend and I was bitching and moaning about another friend of mine and my friend just, you know, blaming the other friend and da, 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 making all these justifications why that person was wrong and I'm right. And my friend just kind of held my hand and looked me in the eyes and said, Scott, there's no justification for lack of love, period. And It was one of those moments, you know, that we have these moments in life where for whatever reason, we're open to receiving the message Mm -hmm. that's being presented to us. And I really, I really took that in and I really understood that when I'm operating outside the energy of love, I'm in my mind and I'm in my fear and period, there's no other reason not to be loving. And, and that when I can own that and recognize that, it helps me to shift back into love. So at the same time, I was opening up to experiencing the grief of my parents. I was also really recognizing that love was the commitment by which I wanted to live my life. And what I found is that that's all it takes is that decision and that commitment. I know that even when I'm being the most impatient asshole in the world 
right now in this life, in this time of my life, that my commitment to being loving is going to get me back on the love path, mm. you know, because that's what I believe in. And that's what I, you know, sometimes people say to me, like, well, and, you know, in terms of forgiveness, because forgiveness is so hard for all of us, too. It's like, well, how do you forgive? And, and one thing I'll say is like, I'm totally committed to being forgiving. I don't believe in things being unforgivable. So I know that because of my belief in forgiveness, I will find my way there. Yeah. You know, if you believe something, someone is unlovable, you're not going to find your way to love with that person. You know, so if, if you want to be loving, recognize that when you're operating outside of that energy, it's on you. Yeah. You're in your head, you're in your fear, you're in your ego, you're in your this, you're in your that. But it's not about the other person. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's so well said. And I I think that we don't do that enough. That requires a lot of courage yeah. to be able to be in that space. Because it's so much easier for us to be in the reactive mind where we Absolutely. go into fear, where we could be like, No, I'm I'm fine. But my friend, they're the ones that are they're crazy and they're doing this and I'm I'm in my compassion, I'm in my empathy, I'm in my love, like they're nuts. Totally. You know? And that's that's those are those moments where we have to really reflect and I I think it's it's so great that you are are calling our calling us all out on that <laughs> because because I think it's, it's important. It's so important. Honestly, yeah. it's so it in it's 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 important not only in how we're showing up for our relationships with other people, it's so important in how we're showing up in our relationship with ourselves. Because because if we don't, if we're not being honest with ourselves, you know, we spend so much energy lying to ourselves about what we're feeling and really thinking as if we can really lie to ourselves. Like yeah, we know, exactly. we know. know behind the scenes what's really going on, yeah. but we fill our heads with all this information that isn't even accurate. Yeah. And it's no wonder that we all have these messed up relationships with ourselves. Yeah. And with you know, other people. And with other people, yeah, because it all starts within, you know. Yeah. What has been the biggest uh, piece of wisdom that you've learned or that you live by? Or is there a, some sort of ethos that you have found that allows you to move forward? Well, it's, it's I think, pretty much what I was just saying. I mean, one thing I try to do in my life and I think I said this in the beginning too, is just to ask myself all the time, like, what does love invite in this moment? How does love invite me to show up in this moment? Because what that does for me is when I'm being self-abusive, when I'm telling myself I'm worthless and ugly and a failure and a loser and all those things, when I remember to ask myself that question, how does love invite me to respond to this moment? It interrupts that negative self-talk. And when we, when we bring that to our experiences with other people, when we're ready to react, if we can just take a breath and a step back and ask ourselves that question, how does love invite me to react in this moment? It's, it, it just pulls you out of this reactionary state. And the truth is, Rosie, it doesn't necessarily mean like I, I, I've certainly been, and I know we can all relate to, to even if we ask that question, it doesn't mean we get out of our rage in that moment, but that question alone and, and remembering to connect with that energy alone, what it might do is at least encourage us not to act 
on whatever it is we're feeling in that moment, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So instead of reacting to what's in front of me with hatred and rage, recognize, okay, I'm not, I'm not meant to participate in this. You know, if I can say, what is love inviting? Well, it's not inviting the reaction. That I'm <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so maybe I should just shut my mouth and maybe right. I should just walk away right now and come back at a time when I have something more to offer mm-hmm. because wars just create wars internally and externally. Oh. You know, there's nothing good that comes from, from warring with yeah. others. And that's not to say anger isn't also really real and healthy and anger has served me profoundly in my life and serves us all. But what I try to ask myself now with my anger also is like, how can, what can love do with this anger? You know, because anger alone is not the healer. Anger is the catalyst to create change. Absolutely. Anger tells us like what we're feeling passionate about. And when we're, when we're enraged by the injustice we're seeing anger you know, incites us to get our asses off the couch and make some noise. Yeah. But that alone doesn't get us to the to the other side, to healing. It's like love has to be involved. Compassion has to be involved in that equation. Empathy has to play a part if we're going to use our anger as well as we can. Yeah, oh, I love that. I, I have a few more questions for you, and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so I'm going to just ask a couple more um, before I let you go. Uh, one of the the my favorite questions to ask uh, all my guests, and and for me it's it's I'm I'm really curious because I I am reading your book and I think that everything that you're teaching is really incredible. But I'm curious what advice you would give your 14 year old self now. Hmm. Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind basically is just to be yourself as fearlessly as possible, because my 14 year old self was a closeted gay kid, you know, who was dealing with that and all the shame around his desires. So, I mean, I would encourage any 14 year old I was talking to to, is to recognize that you are worthy exactly as you are and that you don't need to do one thing differently to be any more worthy than you already are. And also that there's nothing you could do to be any less worthy. Like as is, you are beautiful, you are worthy, you are enough. And the sooner you get to a place of living in your truth, the freer and more fulfilled you are going to feel and the more meaning you're gonna find in your life. And it's not always gonna be easy, but the other thing I would tell the 14 year old is that no matter what choices you make in your life, you're going to be judged because we live in a world where we, we human beings judge each other, no matter what we're doing. So if you're going to be judged anyway, let people judge you for your truth. Mm. You know, I love that. What would your 80 year old self tell you now? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. I think, what would my 80 year old self tell me now? I think my 80 year old self would tell me, just breathe. <laughs> Seriously, just Scott, just breathe. It's okay. You're okay. Just breathe. You know, because I, I really feel like I walk through a lot of my days and life with, with a lot of wisdom that I don't 
then I'm often not exercising. It's like, I think we all have this intuitive understanding of how to live peacefully yeah. and just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, instead we're anxious and nervous and worried and all these things. But when I take the time to close my eyes and really just take deep breaths and center myself within that ocean of peace and love that is vibrating within me, beneath all of the noise, um, it's home. You know, I feel, I feel the most who I am in that space. I feel the most at ease. I feel like all my parts are coming together the way they were meant to come together. Yeah. And, and I find that place in, in breath and in quiet. Mm. Oh, I love that. I was just going to ask what kind of tools you can give me and, and the listeners to kind of center ourselves back into that that place like do you have a practice that you do or is there any like tools you can give us to get there well i mean the main thing i'd encourage people to do is to consider their own lives and in one of i mean one of the the important most important aspects of self-care is figuring out how to take care of yourself and what what choices you can make that actually serve you. So I might say to you that I love meditation and I do in moments, I struggle with it, but I actually do find meditation to be very helpful for me. Um, but that might not be the thing that works for you. You know, I love to take walks outside. That is one of, for me, the most calming things for me when I see my mind racing. But if for you, you know, jogging or running or racing around, if that's the thing that works for you, I think it's up to us to find those things that work for us and then follow that awareness up with action, like figure out what works for you, but then actually do those things, you know? So things for me, writing, you know, for me, like journal writing is, even though I haven't been doing much of that lately, that is a great way, especially if I'm feeling angry, I'd say that's when my journal writing serves me the most, when I'm feeling enraged, if I'm feeling blameful, if I've had a fight with a friend and I just need to vomit all of the toxic energy that I'm feeling about yeah. that, spitting it out. Because the thing is, when, we, when we're holding it all inside without a release, then it's just sitting there inside of us. And it's affecting us physically. It's affecting us emotionally. Writing is one way to get it out. Body movement for me. I dance a lot around the apartment. That's a way for me to release. Centering and meditation. Yoga is an extraordinary, mm -hmm. you know, path to healing. And yeah. but really, it's 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 up to. That's the other part of this work, of growth and healing and of being human. Is like putting your self care as a priority. Putting your your peace of mind and heart as a priority and figuring out how to get there. What works for you? Are you making time for those things every day? And, and if not, why not? And if not, can you start with five minutes and see where that leads you? Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you. And, yeah. And like for me, I'm, I'm a big fan of podcasts. So podcasts like this, I love to read. So great books. I mean, there's so many resources mm -hmm. out there. Um, but the thing I would say to someone is no matter, you can listen to a thousand podcasts and read a thousand books and have 20 teachers and go to workshops and yoga all the time. If your dedication is not there, if you are not committed to your own growth and healing, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah. And if you are committed to your own growth and healing, you don't need to, that's enough. You are going to find the way there. Yeah. 
Huh. I really believe that. I, I do too. And, and I, and thank you for that, uh, validation because that's, that's so, it's so true. And, and some, and we all need to hear it. You know, I think that that's important for us to hear it, you know? Absolutely. Um, so I, I created this podcast as, uh, a way to talk about different things that I think are important to me and important for like the community at large. And it's a forum where all types of different people can, can get together and talk about their stories so we can see how different we all are, but how similar we all are in our journeys. And the idea of radically loved is that we are all loved and supported by God universe, whatever higher power of your understanding, uh, you know, whatever, deity or source or energy that you believe but you are radically loved and this earth is being held together by that love you are alive and breathing because of that love and we are all radically loved um, and the idea is also that through that radical love it gives us this internal force for us to radically love each other and to radically love every everyone and everything on this earth so um I just, I have two more questions for you. Absolutely. I radically love everything you just said, by the ah, way. Perfect. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, I'm like, well, you answered one of them already. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so the, the question to you is, uh, number one, how do you feel radically loved? And the second part is, what do you radically love? How do I feel radically loved? I mean, let me think about this. I mean, in a right now, my immediate response to that is I feel I've been feeling radically loved and supported by the the social media community I'm a part of, and and the people who are out there uh, supporting the work that I'm doing because they've given me um, indescribable energy to keep putting myself out there and putting my creativity out there and putting my message out there. And I know without especially the Facebook community, which is, um, which has grown in the past several years without that support. Um, I don't think, I really don't believe big love would exist. Mm. Um, you know, truly. So, uh, and, and I, I would say, you know, my experience of when I, again, when I, I was talking earlier about connecting to that place that within me, that ocean of love and peace that I feel like is the vibration all across the planet that when you when you dig beyond all the noise and all the insanity that we're all experiencing it's just this ocean of love and i feel taken care of and loved by that by that energy that i just feel vibrating out there for all of us and i think that's what you were speaking to when you were talking about radical love yeah. and what do i radically love um i love that i love that reality that it exists that no matter what's going on in the world and how much craziness and insanity that we experience outside of ourselves and even in our minds, that we can always return to that place of silence and stillness and love. No matter what, it is always there available to us and it's just about choosing to center ourselves in that space. And that's profound. You know, that is a profound truth and gift and I also radically love people. 
I mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like people are my favorite thing in connection with people like you and just open hearted souls. There's nothing that gets me going as much as this kind of interaction. So like-minded that's, that's yeah. all, that's all we do here. This is, thank you so much, uh, Scott for number one, making your message so genuine and authentic and, um, for putting it out there for us to learn from and be inspired by. I, I'm really grateful for, for you and for your heart and your honesty and what you're doing and what you will continue to do. I'm, I'm so excited to, to be a small part of that. And I, um, I, I'm just so, I'm so grateful. I'm like speechless. I'm just like so beyond grateful. <laughs> Um, Thank you so much. So where can, for the for everyone listening right now, uh, where can we get more information on you? Where can we find your book? Um, all The links to, to the books, to the book, and um, all your social media handles will be linked to this podcast. But uh, if you want to tell the audience briefly, like where we can get a hold of you. Sure. And I will tell you, I don't, I mean, I, I suspect this isn't airing today, but today is the official publication day of my book. Ah! Like it is, today is the day. Yeah. So it's awesome. So it's every, it's in stores everywhere. It's online everywhere. If you don't see it at your independent bookstore, tell them to carry it, please. It's called Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart. And you can find me on, you know, scottsdeville.com is my website. And then mm-hmm. if you just search me on Facebook, which is where I do most of my sharing mm-hmm. and, uh, and also on Instagram, um, please, you know, come say hello. And yeah. That's exciting. I, I know. I, for you guys listening, I, being the host of this podcast, am very fortunate and I get advanced copies of things. So I have the in. Uh, so fancy, I know. Um, so thank you for everything, Scott. This is not um, the last time you will be on this show. Uh, I pray that there are many more segments to come, and I'm so excited to see you in LA. Yes, um, come to LA. September 19th, September 19th, 19th in LA. And you can check on my website or uh, for my book tour that is beginning. Yeah. That's the first, that's the first. Well, I'm doing an event in Ann Arbor next week, but then LA starts the out of state tour. Yeah, so for those of you listening, uh, go on Scott's website and see where he's coming uh, near you and go say hi and talk to him and tell him how you heard uh, about him and just let's yeah. spread big love everywhere. Uh-oh. All right. Thank Thanks, you so much, God. Rosie. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.